Hi, this is Kat Jersich, Senior Editor at Healthcare IT News. On this week's episode of HIMSCast, we have Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News, taking the hosting reins. Hope you enjoy. Today, Mayo and Kaiser Permanente and UNC and other partners, they're providing hospital-level care to their patients with their physicians and their nurses in their brick-and-mortar hospitals with their care contracts. Hello and welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. Today, we're talking with Medically Home CEO, Rami Karjian, about the rise in interest from hospitals for acute at-home care and the rise of interest in Medically Home. Welcome, Rami. I'm wondering if you can introduce yourself and how long you've been at Medically Home and your background. Yes, hello, everybody. And Susan, thank you for having me on. So as Susan said, I am the CEO and one of three co-founders of Medically Home. We've been at this with my co-founders, Raphael Rakowski and Andy Lipman, uh, for the better part of a decade. Uh, And we're we're so grateful to see uh, how much progress we've been able to make on behalf of patients uh, with this model uh, that we first did our clinical trial uh, back in 2011. And my background uh, before joining my partners uh, I was president of the logistics division of a company called Flextronics, and we were the largest high-tech logistics company globally with 15,000 people all over the world. And Susan, I think as we'll find as we continue this interview, one of the really hard parts of decentralizing care, particularly high-acuity care, is all of the logistics to keep the patients safe in the home and provide all the services that the clinicians need 24-7. So I have the benefit of, of that background for our team. Um, excellent. Of course, the big news with Medically Home is last month, um, it got its latest funding round, brought in $110 million in investments, and plus the Mayo Clinic and Kaiser Permanente are, are on board, and they provided additional funding uh, after putting in $100 million in May 2021. Why this rise of interest in both Medically Home, Rami, and also just the home model for acute care at home? Well, Susan, first I would say, uh, you know, more than the investment, frankly, the strategic partners that came in with us in this last round um, are really going to be helping us provide um, more care to more patients across the country. So in particular, you should know that Baxter uh, and Cardinal and Global Medical Response, the ambulance company, all came in as part of this round as strategic partners in Medically Home to help us deliver the care that we deliver on behalf of the health systems that we enable. Yeah. Did COVID spur this model? Is it because people couldn't come to the hospital or freeing up beds or other reasons? Is that why providers somehow have this seems to be new interest in in the home model? Or maybe it's not new. Yeah. So I would argue that from an industry perspective, it's not new. Um, that in, in, you know, internationally, other countries have had this hospital at home model for decades. Uh, Australia, Spain, France, as an example, have very vibrant hospital at home models. Um, what's different in the U.S. is uh, most recently, we've seen a couple of things come together, Susan. Number one is we've seen a number of incredibly well-respected names for the patient care that they deliver, like Mayo, like Kaiser Permanente, come out in support of this model and using this platform to care for their own patients. So that sort of clinical expertise and clinical reputation going behind the model is important. 
The other thing that happened to your point with COVID, I think it exposed some of the resiliency challenges that we have in our healthcare system broadly to be able to handle capacity shocks, to be able to handle new types of diseases. So I think number one is the clinical reputation just behind the model. Number two is COVID exposing some of the resiliency challenges we have. And then number three, and I really applaud CMS for this, when COVID hit and they knew that we would have these resiliency challenges, they are launched a program to reimburse high acuity care in the home at the same level at which they reimburse it within the hospital. And that sent a very strong signal and enabled a lot of health systems and hospitals across the country to provide this care for their patients. Um, does this depend on CMS um, allowing this flexibility to continue past the pandemic? Is there hope that Congress will step in and, and allow this? Well, I think two, two things. So one is, um, remember that there's still a lot of payers that are not CMS for service. So yeah. ACOs, Medicare Advantage plans, commercial patients, Medicaid, all of those are patient populations that uh, would benefit significantly from this model and have that don't require CMS having Medicare fee-for-service reimbursement. Having said that, um, Medicaid Home, Mayo, Kaiser Permanente have a coalition of over 25 health systems that are trying to work to make sure that the flexibilities that were introduced are continuing beyond the end of the public health emergency. One of those is the reimbursement for CMS fee-for-service patients. And we're quite hopeful with the progress that the coalition is making towards um, having a bill that supports that. So I think it's two ways, Susan. Number one, if CMS doesn't continue the support, there's still a very strong rationale for hospitals, health systems across the country to offer this for patients and to get reimbursed by other sources. And if they do continue to offer it, which we're hopeful of, that'll add additional momentum and additional continuity to programs that are already up there. Yeah. How do the partnerships with these providers work? Um, what do you provide? What do they provide? Well, what I want to emphasize, Susan, is today Mayo and Kaiser Permanente and UNC and other partners, they're providing hospital-level care to their patients with their physicians and their nurses in their brick-and-mortar hospitals with their care contracts. And what we enable is all of the technology, software, and hardware, and all of the logistics of getting care into the home, 18 different services, 24-7, seven days a week in a way that's most importantly safe very reliable and cost efficient so that the program can be financially sustainable. So the, our healthcare customers provide the doctors and nurses in a command center 24-7. Medically Home provides all the software and the logistics and all the care that goes into the home so that the programs can scale to about 20% of the volume that is within a brick and mortar hospital. And we started by providing high acuity care so that they can care for are actually a little bit sicker than patients in the, the hospital and then broaden that to all the patients. That's fascinating. So Mayo Clinic is doing kidney surgery. Is it in out same day and then the patient is recovering at home or is it an overnight stay and they go home? And I don't know what it, the usual stay is for kidney. Yeah. So the, the, the point to remember is it's still hospital-level care, the surgery and all the prep for the surgery, et cetera, is still done in the hospital, but the recovery, the time that the patient would have spent in a med surge bed, which for a kidney transplant can be seven days, can be a little bit more, a little bit less, all of that is done in the home. Same thing for the bone marrow transplant. Um, That patient would otherwise have been 14 days in Mayo's brick-and-mortar hospital. 
Instead, there are 14 days in Mayo's virtual hospital at home. And it's really important that just because the care is happening at home, Susan, it has nothing to do with home health. These are still all of the standards of hospital-level care with nurses and physicians who provide hospital-level care to the patient. So that's why I'm, I'm differentiating them. Just, it's not that they just went home. The hospital right. went to their home. Right. Right. What, what technology is required for this to happen? One of the things is the patient has to be able to communicate with their nurses and doctors just the same way that they would in the hospital. So video back and forth with an iPad. We give them a phone that they pick up. They talk to their nurse, their doctor. We give them a, a magic button. They push and their doctor, their nurse will come up on the speaker. So a lot of redundancy and communication. And then all of the biometric monitoring so that the physician and the nurse have all of the biometrics that they would normally want, blood pressure, temperature, et cetera. Um, now, the other thing is I want to emphasize, Susan, this is more than just the technology in the home, which has to be redundant, has to be medical grade. We have redundant backup Wi-Fi, but it's also about making sure that all the personnel in the home are there to support the same way they would in the hospital, even down to getting meals. If, if you would normally need meals, that are medical meals, you're still going to get those in the home the same way you would in the hospital. Again, think of this as the hospital goes to the home. And yes, the technology is important, but it's also so much more than just the technology. Yes. And what about staffing? I mean, if some, obviously there has to be clinicians in the homes uh, at times during this. Do you line up staffing in the scheduling or is that the hospital taking, taking this on? So first thing is remember, it's the hospitals, doctors and nurses, and they are virtually in the home 24-7. So in the same yeah. way that you need a nurse in the hospital, you need a doctor in the hospital, they're, I would argue, more available in this model because you push a button and you get your nurse, you get your doctor. It sometimes doesn't work that well in a brick and mortar hospital. Right. In addition to that, the nurses that go into the home to provide infusions or the paramedics who go in or the x-ray techs who take the x-rays or other clinical services, we contract with those so that they're available at the right turnaround times, at the right sort of uh, length across the day. So a paramedic, for example, needs to be in the home within an hour, and that needs to be available 24-7. An x-ray, we're not going to take an x-ray at 3 o'clock in the morning, so the hours at which the x-ray is available are different. Right. Um, how does this benefit the patients? And what kind of feedback are you getting? We're able to use the same instrument to measure patient satisfaction in the medically home hospital that we're enabling as in the brick and mortar. And what we find is for our customers, their highest satisfaction hospital is the hospital in the home. So patients yes. love it. They're home, they're home with their family, they're home with their pets, they're in surroundings that they know that they're comfortable with, they fall less in their homes. Um, and especially now with COVID, of course, the, um, you know, being able to have your family with you in a COVID environment where your family sometimes can't even go to the hospital, that's huge. Not yes. only that, but you're also incorporating the family in a different way into the care. So whether it's the spouse, whether it's the, the daughter or the son of that patient, they're being incorporated into the care. Um, and, and we see that the readmission rates for the patients are lower. We see that the fall rates are lower. So clinical outcomes from the patient standpoint are better. And then the last thing I'll touch on is the providers, nurses and physicians, because they get to spend more time with their patient in this model, their satisfaction is also higher because they're connecting with the patient and their family. Does it save money for hospitals? Is there an ROI on this? There's, there is an ROI for hospitals. There's also an ROI for payers. 
And so the payers, whether that's CMS or that's our commercial payers, are spending less money. And the hospitals are saving money because it costs them less because they don't have all of the fixed costs of the hospital. So mm-hmm. Susan, even think about something like housekeeping in, in the hospital or transport in the hospital down to the x-ray machine. All of those costs don't exist anymore. You don't have to heat the patient's home. You don't have to provide electricity to the patient's home. You don't have to provide the square footage. You don't have to provide the bed, right? All of that, those are costs that come out of the system. Um, so from both the hospital's perspective, it costs them less to provide this care. And from the payer's perspective, because it's care that has a lower readmission rate, a lower ED visit at discharge, it saves them money as well. So it's a real win-win-win for the patient, for the payers, for the hospitals that are providing the care. Yeah, um, and uh, this has been a great conversation. My final question, Rami, is what's next for Medically Home? So for Medically Home, um, we are expanding the health systems that we work with. We're currently up and running in 11 states, and we want to be able to offer this in more states and more patients. We also want to expand the use cases that we offer this. So when we started the program way back in the day with our clinical trial, it was mostly heart failures and pneumonias and COPD exacerbations. And now, as you heard, we're doing kidney transplants, we're doing marrow transplants, we're doing a lot of oncology work. We want to move into making sure that this is available in rural settings, even extreme rural settings. So for us, we're very passionate about expanding this so that more patients across more parts of the country are able to get this model of care through our health system customers. Okay. Thank you, Rami. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I want to thank our listeners for joining HIMSS Cast. Thank you.